Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche, find new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contented. What is evil? What's the paradigm of evil and what is evil in relation to sin? Let's uh, let go of the theological frameworks that we are embedded within, each in their own society, each in their own upbringing. Let's strip away the, the excess information and agenda-motivated rhetoric that doesn't construct a perfect framework of unbiasedness and and truth frankly truth i'm really discussing the the notion that sin and evil is a human phenomenon not a godly one it's not a metaphysics of study. It's it's the truth that we are embedded with, and we all have a certain sense towards evil and sin, and we could all define it in a universal sense to a smaller or bigger degree. Now, if you have to identify sin you are going to be forced to put it into certain categories. Now, I want to walk away from those categories. I want to walk away from the humanistic values, from the, let's say, the family tradition values, and ask ourselves the simple question. Where do we end where's the end of sin what's the form foremost evil within sin and there are some intellectuals who have alluded to this in recent times that sin is is missing the essence of what we are seeking so to understand sin, we must understand what we are seeking. Now, we can seek flourishing and we can seek decline of flourishing. We can seek to move forward or to walk backwards, to destroy or build. In the notion that we seek to build, destruction is a form of sin. Now, if you define destruction as a, another pathway to build something even better, you know, demolition of an old structure to build a, a better and more perfect structure, then that, in fact, is building. But when you, you want to define evil, when you are forced to define evil, because we're met with it on a daily basis, what does evil consist of? What does, it, what does it ultimately stand for? And what does good ultimately stand for? Who are the sinful universally? And I'm not pulling the universal card in order to unify the universality of, of being. But I'm pulling it because I do believe that we all can come to a compromise of the, the bigger frameworks of evil and sin that defy theological ideas and defy national court systems. Evil and good are going to have to be bound by the willingness of being, the willingness to be the willingness to exist, 
this is why for for all of time murder has been a great example of an evil act the place where it gets sketchy is when does when murder becomes the the proposition in order to be and exist for example two enemies they must kill in order to survive in order to be or a possibility of an enemy striking and choosing to do a preemptive strike in order to survive ultimately so when you have the bottom of the barrel of evil being that which destroys being without any notion of further survival is the worst kind of evil. And it's very difficult for even a murderer to come to an ideology where they receive nothing. They don't enjoy any better being while having an ideology of killing another. They will always have to have some sort of value system where they they can better their own goals through political gains or through just a moment of honor, some sort of proposition of their own expansion of being that can only be incited from this murder. It's rare to find, and I, I might propose it might be impossible for a human being to murder without some sort of justification of their own expansion of being, even a psychopath. Although not motivated or not protected by their emotional sensitivity, they still will have to have some sort of value system that justifies that murder. We always need to justify. We're embedded with the need of justification for we know that destruction of being is the ultimate evil and we never want to garner ourselves with that evil. So what is sin? Any sort of destruction of the expansion of self. Missing the opportunity of being is sin. Now that is universal. You don't have to attach it to a religion or theology to understand that or to believe that. And I think fundamentally we all understand and believe that. Sin is the the omission of allowance of being. It's the lacking of care for the expansion of being. Now, when things get complicated, it's only in the, analy the analytical version of this. What is defined as the expansion of being? And can I propose my expansion of being at the peril of another? And that's where you start getting into more discussion. But first, it, there's the acceptance of what is sin. Now, all people who end up sinning, if it's a communal act of degradation of sin or an individual will start to see a decay of society and a decay is pretty alarming with rape, murder thievery but not always is that the case for you can still destroy the notion of being 
while still maintaining civil order. Sort of like a cowardly approach to life where you will keep the civil order while self-destructing in order to deceive something or someone. So having civil order is not proof of a degradation of society. Self-destruction is. When people self-destruct, that is sin. When people prosper and expand, that is virtue. What does it mean to expand? It means to allow every component of their being to be heard and to be exposed and to rid themselves of deception of certain components of who they are, thereby allowing all rhetoric of others to to be an ample voice to them because, well, their voice is very similar to some sort of voice that they have within them. For we are very similar at the end of the day. So you will find, if you study your own being, you will find the voices of your enemies to be very similar to your own. And therefore, conversation is always available with your enemies. And you understand them well. The borders between man and his fellow man are are not so powerful and distant. Which keeps civil order, but it keeps something much more than that. It keeps the flourishing of humanity in an experiential sense, and the experience of the flourishing. They're not webbed with self-deception. Living double lives, triple lives, living 20 faces for whoever they meet and how they view the world. They can flow between one side of an argument to another without having to be stuck in some sort of identity towards one side or another. The truth is there's no proposition of the definite definition of good and evil or sin. Because life is complicated and it is complex and generalities should be avoided. But there is still a universal notion of sin. The one who doesn't want to prosper their own beings is sinning their own beings and by default sinning those next to them. You could say a lack of appreciation for being, but that's another pathway towards sin. You could say a lack of intellectual awareness of being. That's another pathway of ignorant bliss towards sin. For we always want to know, and we always find our minds to know that which, that which is important to us. And if being is important to us, we'll have the, all the knowledge that's necessary, whether we're learned or not. It's just that important. It will just be studied in everything and anything. And nothing will go unnoticed and wisdom will be appreciated. So when you study generations and, and empires and historical atrocities, you can identify the sin within them. You might say it's God proposing the tragedy on humanity. You could say it like that, but you don't have to. So why? It's just man crumbling and then... Destruct. They're at, they've asked for the destruction way before the destruction has happened. They've chosen to self-degrade in their own individuality 
whether by attaching to a community more than necessary, whether ignoring their other voices that are against the ideologies that they have undertaken and pursued diligently. They've chosen for an early death, and then actual death finally haunts them. For what we ask for, we get. That we know. What we want, we usually get. And if we want self-destruction, we'll find destruction. We'll bring it upon ourselves. And we'll enjoy watching it fall apart. Even our own beings. The societies who flourish, who prosper, are individuals who seek to flourish and prosper. It's that simple. If you choose to expand your horizon, then your horizon is expanded. But as I said, civil order is not proof, or even prosperity is not necessarily proof of a society lacking quote-unquote sin. Because in that willingness of self-destruction, there could be some sort of self-deception that we're going to deceive whoever is watching that we are good even though we are not. So that as we fall down and crumble, nobody can see it coming. Almost like they're looking to deceive their alter ego. It's like the person they should be and they want to be, the person that's better, is watching them and they're, they feel haunted. So they propose some sort of civil order that can answer to that and be like, okay, I am still good. And somehow they feel satisfied with that in order to quiet that guilt from that haunted image. And then they continue going about self-destroying. You see, it's very hard to predict these things. It's very hard to pinpoint sin. Because, because of this deception. Because we are very good at putting up a front. And it could be well, well entangled with within the virtuous path and it could seem almost the same but rather it's night and day now letting go of that earlier notion of sin of, of some sort of missing theological component or a lack of faith and, and things like that although there is conversation for that and healthy conversation available for that but you don't need to build a framework about something that's part of our nature and part of our framework that that stands on its own it's it has its own power you don't need to influence it with exterior rhetoric that might get stuck might make us stuck with associations. Now, why would a being want to self-destruct? Well, I don't think anybody starts out saying, well, let's destroy being itself. It starts slowly. You know, it's, it's one day doing something well and then messing up the next day. And we have a choice to make. Do we say we're messing up or do we say, you know what, we're still doing good and there's something wrong out there. And doing this a thousand times and a million times eventually builds this entire deceptive framework that screams, let's destroy every possibility of prospering because you could prosper only when you are living within the being that you seek to prosper. But when you create a whole false being, that can't prosper. It could only fail because 
It's not rooted in truth. It's rooted in fabrication. Fabrication can't be built. If you fabricate the first story, the second story cannot be built on top of it because the first is fabrication. And there's nothing to root it and hold it firmly in place. So then we go on to assume with another color of deception that we are not sinning. And I propose sometimes we seek religion in order to validate the fact that we're not sinning. Because if I produce a rule book or I uh, regenerate a, an ancient rule book that truly has a clear list, a definite list, and I follow that list, and I do it well, then I can prove to myself and the world that I am a virtuous person. So there is times where seeking religion is only to prove that we are virtuous even though we're not. Because if we can mark them off in the religious sphere, then for sure we are being good. The problem is that being good and being evil is not bound to religion. It's earlier than that. So it has to presuppose that. And the arguments have to presuppose that. If you begin the study of good and evil from a religious point of view, you've already went into that web of deception. And even if you come out with great arguments, they will only be bound in the foundation of religion. But being is before religion. And these ideas of sin and, and virtue are earlier than religion and are more fundamental to our nature than religion. Now, the details get tricky because, as we discussed, sin is the lack of prosperity, the lack of expansion of being, and virtue is the willingness to expand as big and great as can be within the being, obviously not in an egotistic point of view, true to the soul. The problem is in the details. When you have value systems that beg questions of what is expansion of being and what is not, what if one has an expansion of being on the, as we said, perils of another? Who gets to decide what's virtuous there? This is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom doesn't start in the notion of good and evil. Wisdom starts second to that. Where now you have to make decisions in the details of the specifics of what's considered expansion and what's considered destruction. And which one outweighs which, especially when there's two proponents. There's a defendant on one side and, and a claimant on the other. And they are in disagreement. They're both seeking expansion and they're both hitting head-on. Who do you give the ruling to? So this is where wisdom comes in, where you seek to rid the entire situation of all deception possible. You strip it of all its exterior clothes, and then you face them and ask, which is a stronger expansion? Ultimately, at this moment, and in the future. For example, I see critics of ancient times where soldiers would, you know, kill out the entire city. Like barbaric in our point of view. But then there's another perception that if you leave people, they will 
hold animosity, which will be a never-ending war. So kill them all out and end it where it started and begin anew. Now, I'm not proposing that's a proper way. I'm just saying there is wisdom in that. It's not built on barbaric behavior, although it can be based on the intentions of the soldiers at the moment of their barbaric behavior. It gets complicated when you start seeking detailed decisions of what is considered expansion and what is considered destruction. But remember that these are in the details. If you seek in the generality of things, sometimes it's pretty clear if it's self-destruction or not. You don't need to visit wisdom in order to obtain the good and evil within the situation. When you self-destruct, you're destroying. When you prosper, when you seek expansion, you're bringing, you're bringing your being to a bigger arena. You're raising yourself higher. You're finding more avenues to more areas of all your awareness of being. So, though that picture is clear, and if you're not dealing with the details, which don't necessarily visit on a daily basis, those problematic details that society must judge and weigh based on wisdom, then you must ask yourself, am I living to prosper or am I living to destroy? Right? Every conversation, is this seeking to destroy or is this seeking to expand? every interaction, every action, every choice. And in fact, when you frame out and you sit in that simplistic viewpoint where it's expansion or destruction, you can easily identify because they're pretty different one who expands and one who destroys. The thief destroys. He destroys the, the enjoyment and the, the property and the expansion of another. Now, this is where even a small notion of wisdom is appropriate. Isn't the thief expanding their horizon? by obtaining material success from another? But wouldn't the thief want to keep what he has? And if that is done to him, then he wouldn't be able to keep that expansion. So he's proposing to do an act of expansion which will invite a structure of destruction if it was done to him. So he's self-destroying while expanding. And mind, mind us, while the thief is invited into thievery, their mind starts becoming connected to the notion of destruction because there is some experience of empathy of the thief towards the victim and that empathy that part of themselves that experiences the demise of another for their own expansion is reminded that it's better to destroy than to expand but this is all in the realm of wisdom I've just entered words of wisdom 
But I'm proposing not to enter words of wisdom. For once we get entangled with that, then there's strong discourse and there's lengthy discussions. But I don't want, I don't think it's necessary to have those discussions when first facing life. Because if we got the basics, are we trying to prosper or are we trying to destroy? If we get the basics, and I, I think prosper as, a, as an individual and as a society, and destroy as an individual as a society, then we can label everything in our lives and our being appropriately. And we can know clearly in front of us what will expand and what will be destroyed. Because when we invoke destruction, we are asking to be destroyed. It's like we're being our own prophets. And when we invoke prospering and expansion, we are seeking from everything around us that expansion. We want that for all. And it will be heard. And expansion will be formed. We must let go of the, the notions of sin in the textual form. And I'll take uh, the Ten Commandments because that's somewhat universal and something I'm aware of to, to psychoanalyze a little bit for this discussion. All right? Let's grab something like not to murder. Thou shall not murder, right? If we are seeking not to murder because of a textual obligation, then we're not connecting to the good of prospering that comes without murder. We're not speaking to the nature of our own beings, but rather we are skipping the nature of our being in order to oblige by a textual piece of information. So much so that we will be so void of any protection towards not murdering when push comes to shove since we're only obliged by our textual connection. When things shake down, when things get rough, when societies crumble, we won't have any part of our nature that will just shine not to murder because we haven't attached it to our own being. It's not a choice within our own psyche, but rather an attachment to a text that brings choice with it. And I think that just have a little bit of society break down and we will be so close to murder that those texts will have very little meaning. So if in the dark times, in the, in the broken times, these texts don't stand, then they don't stand now either. There's another discussion why the texts are necessary, and there is, there is discussion for that. But that's not my discussion right now. My discussion right now is to propose that good and evil sin is an inherent component of our beings and doesn't need some sort of theological attachment. If we start discussing the second step of finding the details of prosperity versus destruction, we hit sensitive chords in our societal structure because there are values in our society that propose destruction as a virtue. Now, the problem is that there are isolated situations where 
things should be held or dealt with differently. For example, abortion, right? If you're seeking the expansion of the embryo, then obviously the choice is to allow it to live. Now, if you're seeking the expansion of the mother, also the choice is to allow it to live because the child is an expansion of the mother. But if you are seeking the expansion of the mother in a healthy mental environment, that this baby will cause stress to, then the child is a threat to that. But if you study the, the components of that expansion, there might be a possibility that the mother doesn't become aware, is not aware of the best possible expansion for her, for she is emotionally involved. So it's possible that we might impose a societal standard on the mother, assuming that this will generally expand her being, even though she feels that it doesn't. Now, if as a society we are imposing values of expansion, even as the individuals themselves are screaming that this is destruction, we must take uh, delicate care in each situation to evaluate if that is true thoroughly. And if it's not, then agree with the mother, meaning bring society in the discourse with the mother. Now, those who propose that choice is better than expansion or destruction, meaning freedom of choice is a higher value than expansion, I might differ. Because I don't think that we are always in cognizant awareness of what is the most expansion, expansive territory of our beings and what is destructive destructive of our beings. And we agreed to this at a darker level, like a psychiatric hospital, where, where we are imposing our value of expansion on those that would choose otherwise. So we agreed to this. We just don't agree to it at, at every level, which is kind of paradoxical because at some point one will give. Either we'll allow, assuming that the, the patients are not a threat to society, either we'll allow the patients to choose freely how they see fit to conduct themselves toward their bodies or their own lives, or we continue to impose our version of expansion even though they think it's destruction. And we continue that onto the mothers that are also seeking that choice. But there's this massive battle. Let's not think of it as a, a small battle where one will give way to another. Either it will be thoroughly the societal's choice to decide what is expansion and what is not when deliberation is necessary, or we will continuously let go of any proposition of our imposition of expansion and destruction allowing people to destroy. And because each person is connected to society and we are we are all linked together, their destruction will affect society. So if you allow a million Americans to, let's say Americans, because that's where this debate is, to destroy the entire society will face that destruction as well because we're all linked and that's the reason we impose in the first place it's not just empathy but rather the hospital ward is not built on empathy it's built on allowing society to run 
not just to protect society, but to impose the expansiveness of being on individuals. So that being the case, we have in front of us the framework of sin or good. And now we need to bring, invoke the wisdom to entertain what's considered expansion on an individual level, on a society level, on a society and position on an individual, and so on and so forth. And this is, this is so lengthy. This is the most important study of life, in my opinion. And the only way to truly get a great study of wisdom is first to rid of deception because there is no place for deception when you truly want to get to the bottom of what, of what will be considered good and evil, ultimately. And because... It's it's the prospering of our future. But even deeper than that, as I said, there's an earlier stage before wisdom where it's just expansion or destruction in your own lives. If you continuously have that framework in your own being, then you will de become deeply emotionally attached to it, which is so beneficial to the start of that study of wisdom because you need the intuition to study it properly. You need that sensitivity of heart to know what it means to feel expanded and know what it means to destroy oneself because it's a full study of your being. It's your experience. You can't have a wise conversation of something that's not experienced within your own being. It's just propositional. It lacks the profundity and the subtleties of the, the experience of existence itself. And there will be no ridicule in that discussion or slander because anyone in a wise dialogue will understand it's complex. Anything that enters the wise dialogue is complex just because it got the invitation to go into the wise dialogue. For some things are blatantly evil or blatantly good. But those that enter the dialogue that wisdom requires, that we require wisdom to decipher, this is, this is the place where truth and falsehood is performed or remembered or built depending on your viewpoints now Cadis's society degrade in the realm of wisdom I don't think so I think if the value is to expand and now there's only a debate of what's considered expansion is what and what's not. And there's just mistakes in that debate. Society will not crumble into evil because that expansion is still respected. And at some point in the mistake, there will be a protection towards the generality of expansion. For example, in this abortion discussion, if all of a sudden, you know, in that dialogue, we've proposed that, you know, let's just kill every baby, any stage, right? At some point, those that are attuned to the expansion of being will, will just be bothered by it. It won't sit well because the intuition is proposing that this is not just an error of wisdom this is an error of attaching oneself to evil itself and that's far worse
So how do you know if a society historically or currently is falling to sin, as we described, by checking the destructive qualities versus the expansive qualities? Are people seeking to expand themselves within the borders of others and the borders of themselves and the borders of ideas? Or are they destroying and narrowing their world and becoming ideologues? Are they crumbling, slowly crumbling within and hiding out and becoming more certain of all the propositions and not allowing the dialogue of wisdom to flow? Right? They're becoming smaller. They're becoming like children or teenagers. It's a great example. Teenagers are like that, right? They're becoming less adult and more young in mind, or truly young, childlike. What brought them here? What brought them to choose destructive qualities versus expansive qualities? So the intellectuals might say that there's a whole tradition of buildups that led to any situation like this. But fundamentally, this is not true. Fundamentally, it's just the choice between expanding and destroying. Now, if one is unaware, claims ignorant to the notion that expanding is better than destroying, is not being honest. Because at some point, we always met the place where we wanted to expand and that we chose to destroy. If you study your life deliberately and carefully, you will find the trend where, especially study the parts where you've made the biggest mistakes, you'll find the trend where you've had the opportunity to expand, but you didn't, and and eventually you destroyed, and that led to your actual destruction. Now you might say this subconsciously, but you had the choice in front of you. And I think part of the willingness to expand is the willingness to be conscious of your experience. I think the willingness, I think it's more natural to be conscious of your life than to be not conscious and to let it idly uh, slide by. I think that ignorance is harder to obtain than the just the awareness of itself and experience. I think we have to deliberately choose to destroy our attachment to what we are experiencing, and that is that is that is a conscious choice to be subconscious about everything. And fundamentally, that conscious choice is to destroy and to degrade our being. So good and evil is, is right there in front of you. It's a choice. It's, it's facing you every day. And it's not complicated. The complicated parts are in the details. But overarchingly, good and evil is are you choosing to prosper and expand your being? Or are you choosing to destroy your being? And then it leads out to your being and then the beings of others and so on and so forth. And that's where wisdom comes in. And you need to really deliberate on, on what that means to expand, what that means to destroy. What if they face head on, meaning you face an enemy, they seek to expand themselves on you, you seek to expand yourself on them, you know? And then there's there's arguments and wisdom that, pertains to that but that's only after you've you've identified the core structure of this and as i said the ones who are unaware of this choice that's being made consciously made a choice to be unaware of it although they're not conscious about the choice because it's more subconscious they consciously decided to make their conscious disconnected from their heart and the flow of their of their attunement 
So much so that the only choice that they have at this moment in time is do they connect to themselves again or not. And once they choose to connect to themselves again, they can become aware of the choices of prosperity versus destruction. Not that being conscious of yourself is an earlier stage than good and evil. I think they're one and the same, but that the only way to get back those who are completely unaware of their decisions is first to become aware of their decisions before they become, uh, you know, before they're, they're in the opportunity of actually making those decisions. And my argument is that they've already made that decision of choosing destruction, which helped them disconnect from their conscious experience. Because I think it's less natural to, to be, it's, it's less natural to be disconnected from your conscious experience than it is to be connected. But once you're consciously aware of yourself and you can really mark out who you are somewhat and how you act and your behavior and your patterns of thought, then you can ask, where is my expansion and where is my destruction? Or where in my past have I chosen destruction over expansion? And then starting to label them. And then you'll notice that you start choosing more expansive choices versus destructive choices. And then you see prosperity in your life and things start to flower and to blossom. And then you will be invoked by wisdom. Well, the, the quenching of wisdom to get down to the details. Now that you know good and evil, I want to know good and evil in the specifics, in this battle, in this fight, in this political agenda, in everything. And of course, like any wise decisions, there's no perfect answer. It's in the experience. It's in the moment. It's, the scrutiny is not necessary in those areas. Although it's, it's, it's beloved to, to scrutinize, to critique, to, to develop more wisdom, you won't get the perfect answer. Anything that comes in the realm of wisdom is not perfect because it's not perfect to kill another to protect yourself because you are destroying. It's not a perfect scenario. But the wise decision might be that it's more perfect to kill them versus allow yourself to be killed. So... You're never going to get the inevitable perfection, but you will get the better choice, the better, more wise choice. So that's that's a little bit of the discussion of, of sin and good and evil. And of course, this is framing out. And most of what I discuss is really framing out. And the idea is to frame it in. To, to get it into the actual fabric of life and to get it into the deeper places and to the detail. This is very general, but now bring it back home and say it better than I did. That's the whole point. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.